the next five weeks, we're going straight to our network of experienced buyers agents in each state for some local insight. I am so excited. Welcome to week two of our local expert series. We hope you enjoy the auctions last week. Today, our state experts are tackling the private treaty offer process. It is so different in every state, so different in fact, that if I was buying in a state that I wasn't familiar with, I would be using a buyer's agent. So in this episode, we're going to tackle what you need to know when you're making an offer in a private treaty negotiation across all the states. Welcome to your first home buyer guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyer's agents and probably old enough to be your mum's. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website homebuyeracademy.com.au there you'll find free checklists so you can download a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy workshop for only $39 priceless stuff really bargain but before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode here's the boring bit the disclaimer you of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice we always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise Now, we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. Now, you may notice that we're just talking about states here. We recognise there are two territories in Australia. There's the Northern Territory and the ACT. Now, we haven't included experts from those two territories for two reasons. One, Northern Territory, we actually don't know any buyers agents up there. And two, when it comes to the Australian Capital Territory, well, the laws are almost identical to New South Wales. So you can pretty much rely on what I say for New South Wales goes for there too. Can you please introduce yourself? We'd love to know who you are and where you buy. I'm Megan Wells, buyer's agent and founder and principal of Property Pursuit Buyer's Agents in Brisbane. My name is Catherine Skinner and I'm a buyer's agent here in Adelaide. I'm the director of National Property Buyers, South Australian office. Um, I have been in business here for eight years now. Um, really grateful and love what I do, being able to help people buy property. My name's Samantha Spilsbury. I'm director and buyer of Buyer's Agents Tasmania. We offer a statewide service for both investors and owner. A lot of our clients are relocators, so whether they're retiring or new families moving here, it's probably where our niche is, is to help them settle in. I have had my business for three years and that's how long I've worked in the buyer's agency realm. And prior to that, I've worked in property management for over 10 years. Uh, so my name's Jared McCabe. I'm a director at Wakeland Property Advisory. Um, we're a uh, boutique buying service uh, and vendor advisory service in Melbourne. Uh, I've been here, well, the company started in March 1995, so 28 odd years. There's a lot of experience within the business. 
Um, we focus very much much on asset selection as a big part of what we do and what we look for. Uh, buying the, the right property is extremely important. And obviously, everyone wants to get it for the best price they possibly can. Um, but if you select the wrong property in the first place, uh, then that can be a, a bigger issue. So we're very, we're very focused on asset selection and education as well. Hi, my name's Ben Lamas. I'm a buyer's agent in Western Australia for Acumentus Buyer's Agents. Can you make conditional offers in your state? In New South Wales, generally, no. I mean, you can make an offer conditional in that you can request changes to the contract or changes to the special conditions in the contract, um, but nothing is binding until you get exchange of contracts. So, yes, you can make all sorts of requests and conditions, but there's no guarantee that they will be accepted. In Queensland, it is quite common to have conditions on a private treaty negotiation or an offer, uh, and and that is usually always in a written form in and usually on a Queensland Law Society approved REIQ contract. In South Australia, you can make conditional offers, so it isn't uncommon for people to place an offer subject to finance, subject to sale. Um, subject to building and pest inspection and essentially you can make an offer subject to anything you like um, at the vendor's discretion for acceptance obviously. In Tasmania it's very common to make conditional offers so we are known as a buyer's beware state because when you complete a contract a lot of them don't have conditions you have to add them in so when it was a competitive market you know 18 months ago agents were pushing buyers to not go in with an unconditional offer where at the moment it's pretty common to have conditions whether it's one to three or four conditions added into your added into a contract in victoria you can make conditional offers absolutely um and it depends on what you need them to look like and there's any number of different conditions that can be made but you can absolutely make a conditional offer uh, in western australia yes so as a buyer's agent in Western Australia, uh, we write up the offers on behalf of the, the buyer and submit it to the selling agent and list the conditions uh, that we think are in the best interests of the buyer. What sort of conditions are typically used in your state? In New South Wales, we have a contract to sale and in that contract, the vendor will have a whole set of special conditions. So the sorts of conditions that might be requested by a buyer are generally in response to changing some of them. So it might be that there's a release of deposit clause in there, for example, and that is something where the vendor is saying, I want access to your deposit money so I can buy another property. And most solicitors would say, get that out of there. So they'll request <laughs> that that is removed. Sometimes you might request a longer settlement period or a smaller deposit so they are some of the conditions that are commonly asked for in New South Wales. In Queensland, you generally see, uh, and these are non-auction properties, remember, so uh, with private treaty, you might see things like subject to finance um, or finance approval. There might be a, a subject to building and pest inspection clause. If it's a strata property, it could be um, subject to body corporate records search. Uh, there's a whole lot of other things, um, some more uh, less common ones that are used that I actually think should be used a lot more often are making it subject to the owner providing evidence of approvals for uh, improvements that are on the property and certification. 
um, because one thing that we see quite a lot of is is these documents go missing. They're not always sitting with council um, in the records department. Sometimes a, a, a renovation might be finished and someone forgets to hand in the, the Form 23 to finalise the certification. So you want to make sure that um, if there has been an extension or renovation or pool put in or a carport built, that you're putting in the right conditions to cover you because if they're not there, then you have no termination rights whatsoever. In South Australia, we see subject to finance is, you know, the main condition we see, especially at the moment where, uh, you know, finance and lending is a little bit tighter than we were seeing 12 months ago. Um, subject to building and pest inspection is another big one. Um, and subject to sale, we do see from time to time, but not as common as the other two. In Tasmania, the most common ones would be an inspection clause. We don't require pest inspections because we don't have termites. And finance clauses are probably the most common ones that would be used frequently. But as we are a buyers beware state, we also can add in a due diligence clause, which will allow... Um, to check things like council plans, making sure the permits are, are done correctly. So they're probably the three most popular ones. Typically in Victoria, the most common conditions would be around finance um, <laughs> and, and different lengths of time as to how long the finance clause might be. So getting approval um, at up to different levels, but sometimes it might be a a three-day subject to finance, it might be a week, it might be two or three weeks. Um, but subject to finance is probably the most common. Um, subject to a building or and pest inspection is quite a common one that that people use. Um, and then the other one that's quite, which not unusual, is um, amended deposits and perhaps staggering the deposit over a period of time, paying a smaller deposit up front, particularly if you've got a perhaps a, a longer-term settlement, um, mm -hmm. having making bringing it up to the ten percent over perhaps a month. Um, period. Um, that's not uncommon either. The most important one, I guess, finance. In order to uh, get the contract through, m most people are making an offer subject to finance. And I guess it's choosing the correct days to get the approval in place. Uh, a lot of agents in Western Australia would push for a shorter approval period, say 15 days, 21 days. But in Western Australia, and it may be the case in other states as well, where the uh, the date's usually around 28 to 30 days is a requirement to get the finance through. Banks are uh, got a huge backlog at the moment here in Western Australia. Wow. Are there any other sorts of typical conditions you would include? Usually in Western Australia, the prevalence of um, white ants or pest inspections is quite important. Um, so we always make it a priority to get a, a building inspection and a pest inspection, either combined or separately. So they're fairly important to get onto a contract as well. What are some of the weirdest conditions you've used or heard about? In New South Wales, some of the weirdest conditions I've seen is requesting to keep the gnomes in the garden. Also, a really complicated can be if the vendor wants to stay on in the property for a period of time, so they need the money and so they need to sell, but they really don't want to move out. That's been quite a, a complicated sort of condition that I've seen in a contract of sale. Very strange. Most people would reject that if they're going to buy it. 
in Queensland, you know, you can really ask for anything in a private treaty negotiation. That's not to say the owner is going to accept it. But I think the weirdest one that we uh, we actually had on there was there was a um, quite a pleasant negotiation going on between a seller of a property and, and our buyers and um, in sort of a little bit of a, uh, a tongue-in-cheek sort of way, our buyers came up a little bit in price and said, look, we'll, we'll pay that extra money, but on the condition that they put the pink flamingos in that are in the garden. So that's always been, I find that quite cute. Um, but another one that is uh, on, uncommon, but we have used, and this is um, particular to a buyer's market, not a seller's market, is um, where we've made two offers on properties. So offers that, um, properties that a client has been quite interested in, each one at a certain price. And we've actually made two offers at the same time with a condition on there that sa- said that each offer is subject to the other offer not being accepted. And what that meant was there was no risk of the client being stuck with two properties and and, and having to, to terminate under a cooling off. Um, but it also gave us a, a fair bit of uh, ability to put pressure on the sellers to move quickly with their decision making and deal with us. So it's a tricky one. It's not easy to use and it's got to be put together fairly um, rigorously by uh, a, an, an expert, a solicitor or a conveyancer. But that um, that works well um, where there's competing opportunities. In South Australia, not one that I've used personally for a client, but one that we have heard about um, was that the um, purchaser actually put an offer subject to approval for housing horses on a property. Now, this wasn't a rural property. This was a metropolitan property. Needless to say, there was no chance of that happening, um, but a very strange request. In Tasmania, the one that would probably be the weirdest for me would be a condition adding in that they would take the property if they're job offer was accepted to move to the state that's a great one <laughs> so they're they lining themselves up for the house but yeah, only if they got the don't job don't want to overcommit yeah <laughs> by the way can you take it off the market until i know whether i've got a job oh my gosh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't tend to like to make conditional offers. So where possible, I'd prefer to avoid that because I find that it can um, impact on your ability to bet, to buy the property for the best price you possibly can. So where possible, I'd prefer to make most of my offers unconditional on behalf of our clients. But if you need to, we'll put forward finance, that sort of thing. Probably some of the oddest that I've seen and the one that, I, that does pop up from time to time, probably more so in regional areas where um, supply outstrips demand, but uh, there can be offers subject to the successful sale of another property, which I always find really strange because it basically you you lose total control of that process. You're not not only reliant on another vendor um, accepting, but you're reliant on most of the time another agent being able to to get a successful result. And you probably don't know whether or not that other property, whether expectations around price on that property are realistic or not. Well, that's a difficult one. Um, sometimes there's been a request for particular items within a house that either being included or excluded. But I guess that's a personal choice in Western Australia. I guess that all can be negotiated. Um, Everyone has different tastes and I guess you have to expect that. What cooling off period do buyers get in your state? So in New South Wales, the standard cooling off period or legislated cooling off period is five business days. 
So that means that uh, the cooling off period expires at 5 p.m. on the end of the fifth business day after you exchange contracts. So that's after contracts are unconditional. If you're in an auction area or if you are in a very um, hot market, the agents are going to try to get you to waive the cooling off period. Or if you're buying at auction, you don't get a cooling off period. So there is a way in which you can waive the cooling off period in New South Wales if you want to make your offer really attractive. And that is with uh, what's called a 66W certificate. And that has to be provided by a conveyancer or solicitor. As in the buyer's conveyancer or solicitor. In Queensland, the statutory cooling off period is five business days. So that's not including your weekends, of course. And if there's a public holiday in there, it's five business days. And the cooling off expires at 5 p.m. on the fifth business day. In South Australia, buyers have to get receive a fully executed copy of the contract and their Form 1 document for their cooling off period to start. Now, a Form 1 document will include things like all of your council searches, all of your water rates, um, your planning, your certificate of title, everything that you need to know about the property that your conveyancer would then review will be included in that Form 1. So essentially, from receipt of that, you've got two clear business days for your conveyancer to review all of that information and provide you with all of the, the details that you need to know and make sure you're comfortable to proceed. In Tasmania, there's a three-day uh, cooling off period, but 90% of the time that's actually waived. But you can add it in if you have a due diligence clause, it's automatically added in there. Is that business days or is it calendar days? Business days. So mm-hmm. three-day business day cooling off period. Yeah, but very rarely. Very rarely used because I think, from what I can understand, speaking to people from other states, they add cooling off period as part of their finance, where they've already got finance and building clauses in there. But most agents were already ticked to have it waived. The only time I would ever say to a client use it is if they wanted to put in like multiple offers on properties, and then they could walk away within three days if they got the other one that they really wanted. So on the contract, it would just say cooling off period waived or confirmed um, and then after the three days they could either just walk away or they just say that they're satisfied with that condition but you know very rarely used and like I said previously I would only suggest a client to use it if you know they're putting in multiple offers and wanted to decide which one they wanted to go ahead with um, because it's really only three days. There's no really reason why you'd want to walk away after, you know, three days. Uh, in Victoria, the cooling off periods three business days. In Western Australia, zero. There, there isn't such a thing as a cooling off period in Western Australia. So you sign, you buy. What are the penalties if the buyer terminates during the cooling off period? So in New South Wales, if the buyer pulls out within that five-day cooling off period, If both parties agree, the cooling off period can actually be extended beyond five days. The penalties for terminating the contract during that cooling off period is 0.25% of the purchase price. So, for example, if the purchase price, well, the agreed purchase price was $500,000, then the penalty would be $1,250. 
And so that seemed to be a bit of a deterrent against sort of making offers and exchanging contracts willy-nilly. You know, you've got to be a bit serious before you even sign. In Queensland, the penalty is 0.25% of the purchase price. So if the the buyer terminates under the cooling off and using um, specifically worded um, termination uh, from their solicitor to the seller's solicitor, then that seller seller can um, enforce the termination penalty and that would be deducted from any deposit that had been paid. In South Australia, if a buyer decides to exercise their right to cool off, there's no penalties at all. No money is exchanged until cooling off has expired and that's when the deposit is due. So within the cooling off period of those two clear business days, a purchaser can pull out for any reason at all. No penalty for the buyer. They'll get their full deposit back. Uh, Victoria, the the, uh, penalties are $100 or 0.2% of the purchase price, whichever is greater. So pretty- Sounds so archaic, doesn't it? hundred bucks. That one's been there for a little while. <laughs> That's an oldie. <laughs> I, I always have a good chuckle at that when you see that on the front page of the contract. In Western Australia, when you're writing up the contract and it's signed by both parties and dated, that becomes a valid contract. And until all and uh, sorry, and, and until all the conditions are met, it's alive. Right. So if all the conditions are met, then it's unconditional. It goes straight through. The only way you're going to get out of that contract is by trying to negotiate it, or uh, having one of the conditions fall over, either finance. But that's a bit difficult unless you write to your bank or finance broker uh, to cancel the finance but if you've got a valid finance approval then that contract goes through when's an offer binding in your state so in new south wales the offer is binding on exchange of contracts and so that's a little bit complicated because it's the only state that does it that way and that means that you have to get the vendor to sign their contract and the buyer signs their contract and then a deposit is paid and then you have this physical exchange in one form or another. These days, DocuSign is used or literally is one hard you know, paper contract handed over and the other one handed over. So once that's actually done and, it's, and even the words are uttered, contracts are exchanged, then you know that the offer is binding. Before that, anything can happen. In Queensland, the offer is only binding once all the parties have signed the contract of sale and any negotiated changes have been initialed. So what I mean by that is sometimes you make an offer, it go on on a contract, it goes to the seller, they might cross the price out, write in a new price, initial that change. If a few things go backwards and forwards and there's changes to say length of condition or types of condition or removal of conditions or change in price or t- change in settlement, it's imperative that every single one of those changes is initialed by both parties. Otherwise, the contract is actually not legally binding. So just the signing of the contract in and of itself is not um, binding enough unless every one of those changes, handwritten changes, have been initialed. In South Australia, once an offer is unconditional, so if there's any conditions that need to be met, your finance, uh, your building and pest inspection or anything like that, once all of that is ticked off, your um, your offer would be completely unconditional. You can no longer pull out of that. Now, if it is an unconditional offer that you've put on the table from day one 
at the expiration of your cooling off period, that's when it would be 100% binding and there'd be no, no way to get out of that contract. So is it binding on the seller during that period? They can't sell to anybody else? Once a contract is signed and the form one is, is served to a purchaser, the vendor can't pull out at all. It's only the purchaser who can exercise that right. In Tasmania, your offer would be binding when all parties have signed the contract and the deposit has been paid within the time frame mentioned on the contract. Hey, Victoria, an offer's binding when the contract and Section 32 have been signed by both parties and the deposit's been paid. If a contract hasn't been signed by both parties, it's still up for grabs in Western Australia. So you might have made an offer subject to a certain conditions. The vendor hasn't signed it yet. Therefore, they can still accept other offers. But if the conditions have been agreed to and signed by both parties, that contract has to be um, agreed upon and has to be uh, fulfilled by both parties until one of those conditions falls over. For example, if it gets to finance and the finance falls over, then that contract's dead and then they can uh, accept other contracts. Or I'd imagine the building and pest inspection? Building and pest inspection, uh, yes, that's true. That can, uh, that can occur as well if it's not satisfactory or it hasn't met the requirements of the, the buyer then that contract can fall over, then the contract's uh, no longer valid and the property's up for grabs again. But they would have a time frame within, within which to, com to um, comply In with order those to, conditions? Yeah, usually there would be uh, a condition that might be written up, say, 14 days for a, um, a pest inspection to be done to the satisfaction of the buyer etc uh, if it's not complete within 14 days then the vendor can write to the to the purchaser and say look you haven't met that condition you're no longer in the game can buyers get gazumped in your state and and how does that even work so in new south wales gazumping is totally legal and so gazumping is basically when you've had your offer accepted and all the terms and conditions and the whole bit and then somebody else comes in and offers more money and the vendor says, oh, I'm going with their offer, not with yours. And so that is legal in New South Wales until contracts have exchanged. It can't happen after the contracts have exchanged. Well, it's it's not a formal term. It's it's not something that we use when we talk about the negotiation process. Um, but it, I guess it's a little bit similar to if you make a verbal offer and there's a verbal agreement. And of course, we know that verbal agreements are only worth the paper that they're not written on. Um, but someone else can actually come along and purchase that property because you haven't got a written agreement in place. There's not a contract in place that has, has bound both parties to the transaction. So verbal offers and agreements are not worth anything. They're not binding. And at any point in time, another buyer can come along. Now, uh, in the previous question, I did mention about um, little changes in the contract having to be initial by all parties. That can be an opportunity where someone might be what would be called, you know, a, a other, otherwise New, New South Wales called gazumping. And that is that if that is process is still going backwards and forwards and the final initial is not on that piece of paper, then someone else still can come along and purchase that property with a legally binding contract. In South Australia, the biggest risk for a purchaser is not understanding when their cooling off period expires. 
um, once it expires, you've lost the flexibility to cool off for any reason. So then you're binded by your conditions. So um, sometimes we see purchasers may have change of mind after cooling off and you need to explain to them, well, it's reliant on finance, reliant on something else now. There's not much else we can do. Um, and I feel like as well, making sure purchasers are aware of when their finance is due and if it's not received on time, they actually need to get an extension put in place to cover them. Otherwise, if it's lapsed, essentially it's gone unconditional. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so you have to advise. So your property law states or the contract state that if you don't advise that finance has been approved, it automatically goes unconditional as opposed to automatically terminating? Correct. Interesting. So, yeah, so unless you're advising them that your finance is not approved by yep. that time, yeah, you're locked so in. So it's an automatic progress unless you advise yeah. that it's not. Yeah. Okay. And more often than not, if a purchaser doesn't advise and the, their finance falls over, they will be liable for penalties if they cannot proceed with the purchase. So they will lose their deposit and they could essentially be sued for compensation. In Tasmania, we don't have any gazumping. I would suggest putting your offer always in writing on a, you know, a law society contract to ensure that it you have it there and present it to an agent. Another thing to be wary of is multiple offer in Tasmania. So once you put an offer in, if there's more than one party putting in an offer, it's called a multiple offer and when that happens there's actually no negotiating between the parties the vendor just has to pick which offers best for them so if the agent's doing the process correctly if you put an offer in and then another offer is to come they need to come back to you and say is this your best and final offer and if you say yes it is they can essentially go is the other offers better go with that offer and you don't get the chance to negotiate again in Victoria, yes, you can get gazumped, unfortunately. It usually happens and most likely happens when a, an offer hasn't been documented. So if it hasn't been put in writing as yet, it's still only verbal. Um, and then if another offer is re received, even if it has been verbally accepted, the agent is required to present that to to the vendor. So you could get gazumped in that, that process. So it's important to try and prevent that, to get your offer documented um, and get it signed off by the vendor as quickly as you possibly can once it, once it is accepted. So in Western Australia, you make an offer, you've signed it by both parties, that contract has been accepted, so you can't have a contract come over the top of you to take that property away in Western Australia. That's, that's not possible. You've signed the contract, it's agreed upon. All right, so we've finished auctions, we've finished private treaty negotiations. Now we're moving on to vendor disclosures. That will be next week's episode. And Veronica, I have to tell you, this is the one that I learnt the most out of because it is so different in every state. In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff.